of untapped potential right here on TDN radio so if you're keeping track of the date today is actually March 30th so as we can see the it is the end of the third month of the year so the time is quickly flying by as it always does so I hope that you're taking advantage of the time that we have and you're using the opportunities that you may have to work on your personal goals and yes if you suffer from allergies I am sure that you're quite aware that we are also in spring so allergy sufferers out there I hope that you have your medication readily available because it looks like we're in for quite a spring with the pollen count and the allergies out there but also let us remember that spring is a time for renewal a time to rejuvenate a time to you know just get energized with the warmer weather and to work on everything that we are trying to accomplish for this year so again welcome to untapped potential with dr simone right here on tdn radio it is great to have you with us as we start another week together. So today we have another wonderful guest for you. This time we are joined by Mrs. Joan Underwood out of Barbados and she'll tell us all about her experiences as a coach, as a talent, uh, in terms of talent management and her brand new book that she has written. And I also want to go ahead and thank Mrs. Irma Marie Ruxley out in the UK for the recommendation. She was the one who brought Mrs. Underwood to our attention. So it looks like Irma is just uh, getting the award for the most recommended guests for Untapped Potential because as you know, Dr. Jamila last week was her recommendation. Mrs. Underwood is her recommendation and of course uh, uh, her brother Arthur will be our guest next week so Irma thank you for all the work that you're doing for this program and of course we want to thank everyone else who is constantly recommending folks to be interviewed for the program so it's wonderful having you here again for another episode of untapped potential as we get powered up for the week together and we don't want to forget to thank our sponsor for this program culture kids on 17 fields lane in Dominica, in the heart of the city, in Roseau, in Dominica, and they are your number one source for clothing and accessories from babies to the age of 16. So check them out. Check out Culture Kids 
in Dominica. So as we get started, let's enjoy this number from Mr. Dion Henderson. Yes, he's the son of the legendary Gordon Henderson. He is pretty much a music producer, but I guess he took a stab at uh, creating some music of his own. So let's enjoy this number from Mr. Dion Henderson. And of course, stay tuned until the end of the program as we talk about taking advantage of the opportunities of spring to do some spring cleaning, to get organized so we can have the time and the energy to work on those all important goals. Because as we can see, the year is quickly running ahead of us. So again, let's enjoy this number from Mr. Dion Henderson as we welcome Mrs. Joan Underwood to the program. especially with everything that's going on, we really do need to be grateful. Yes. So thanks for having me and I'm just, I'm doing just fine. Yes. So welcome to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. And it's a pleasure having you here with us. You're joining us all the way from Barbados. So it is wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you so much. And Greetings to you and all your viewers and listeners, not just from Barbados, but I happen to have the distinction of being able to speak for multiple countries because I am first generation Antiguan, born to a Monstration father mm. and a Dominican mother, married to a Bajan and living in Barbados. You are a complete Caribbean woman. <laughs> 
indeed and proud of it yes so just introduce yourself let us know who you are all right so my name is joan underwood as you have indicated i was born in Antigua and Barbuda, first generation Antigua and Barbuda, and, uh, along with all my siblings. And uh, I spent most of my life in Antigua and Barbuda and uh, did my undergrad work in Canada, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hated it. Um, it was my first time experiencing winter and, uh, you know, just was not my cup of tea. Also lived in Baltimore for a year while I did some graduate studies there. Lived in the Washington DC area because I did my first master's degree at um, George Washington University. And moved back to the region, did another master's at the University of the West Indies at Cavill School of Business. And, you know, I, I just love the region. I'm a Caribbean woman. By, in my heart and in my soul and very proud of it. I have been blessed to have been able to, to work throughout the region and we'll get into the details of that story because I, you know, I, I have a very eclectic past. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so kind of just walk us through um, some of your past, some of what you did before you landed in Barbados uh, with your company. All right, so my first career was actually in healthcare. So my first degree was in the sciences and I worked in Antigua and Barbuda. Back then it was uh, the government hospital was known as Halberton Hospital and I was a lab technician. I later went to Johns Hopkins University to specialize and became a cytotechnologist. And that's a word that most people are not familiar with. But if you think women in the audience, think of your pap smears. I'm the person who would look at the pap smear under the microscope and hopefully tell you that you have no cancerous or precancerous lesions. But while I was working as a technician, as a lab technician, I became frustrated by what I perceived at that time to be bad policy and bad management. So for example, I collaborated with public health nurses to do an educational um, campaign to encourage women to come in and have their pap smears done. And we had a fantastic response. Women were coming in. Unfortunately, because they had not been having their pap smears on a regular basis, we were finding lots of cancers and precancerous lesions. But the thing is, once you know what the problem is, then you can start to deal with it. And in the middle of that wildly successful public education campaign, we ran out of reagents. Wow. So we weren't able to process the pap smears anymore. And, you know, so with their lobbying, the administration to buy the supplies so that we can continue because we've taken all these pap smears and now we're unable to read them mm -hmm. and they were like oh we don't have it in the budget and I was like this is ridiculous so I ended up instead of focusing you know and obsessing on the problem I said what's the solution the solution is more effective healthcare planning and policy so I went off to George Washington University and I did a master's in health services administration. But by the time I got back to Antigua, well, let me say, um, before I left, when I said I wanted to go and study in the public service, it's oftentimes a lot about length of tenure. So 
when I said I wanted to go off and study and explain why I was told, oh, there are plenty of people ahead of you. Oh, so wow. it wasn't a case of this is what we need or not what, you know, it's not what we need. It's simply you're, you're in a queue and you have to wait till the more senior people get through. And so I decided, you know what, I'll resign and I'll go on my own. Wow. And so that's exactly what I did. I mm -hmm. resigned and people thought I was crazy, but I really believed that we could do better. And so I put myself through, I have worked and worked full time, went to school full time, graduated, moved back home. But at that point in time, I decided, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna fit back into the public service given the way it's so highly bureaucratic, it's going to be so hard to effect change. So I ended up managing a private community hospital instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a while, really enjoyed doing that. And cause I believe in a life of service. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing that, I, the, well, the institution was approached by someone acting on behalf of a name that some of your listeners might know, and it's Eric Clapton. Mm. Because at the time, he was building a drug rehab center in Antigua. He actually has a home in Antigua. And so they approached my small community hospital because they needed to have medical cover for their patients at the, the rehab center. And so I went through a contracting period with them so that we could, you know, be selected as the hospital to provide, you know, if needed medical care for their patients. And at the end of the contracting period, they say, would you like to come and work with us? Oh, I wow. mean, we like, oh, you've, you've handled this. And so this time it was still just a construction project. So they took me on board as the operations manager. So I got to hire all of the non-clinical staff, set up the standard operating procedures. So I'm still in the kind of healthcare field, right? Move, having moved from the technical part of it to policy and administration and management. And then from that, I transitioned to general management. And like I said, very eclectic. I managed the national lottery. Wow. Then from, <laughs> from healthcare to lottery. Interesting. <laughs> then I joined the financial conglomerate as a, project, a special project manager first. So I designed and managed a project for them for one year. And then they said, can you come on board and set up our HR department? And at the time I was like, I would rather stick needles in my eyes. Cause I mean, HR had mm -hmm. no interest in it. But what was, what did catch my interest is that it was starting from scratch cause they didn't have an HR department. They had a personnel department Mm -hmm. which, you know, just did payroll, tracked leave. And, and I knew I didn't want to do that, but I like new challenges. So the thought of creating something from scratch, that's mm -hmm. where I get most of my energy, starting with a blank screen or a blank piece of paper and conceptualizing it and both big picture and details. We are so very said, much similar in that sense. That's my favorite thing to do, start with nothing and just create something. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I said, I'll do it, but only for three years because I don't want to get stuck doing HR. And so we negotiated a three-year contract, but fell in love with HR and it's been 20 something years. Oh my. Yeah. Right, right. So, so how right. was the transition to Barbados? What drove that decision to move from Antigua to Barbados? 
oh, well, there are a couple chapters in between <laughs> setting up, getting into HR and to Barbados. So like I said, I fell in love with HR, ended up doing that for, gosh, it must have been over seven years. And then there was a change in administration. And during that time, I was very active in terms of um, just social activism. I was a founding member of the professional organization for women in Antigua and Barbuda. And we lobbied for the rights of women and girls and gender um, equity, et cetera. Um, I eventually became chairman of the Employers Federation. And while I was in that position, I changed the name from chairman to president. They had, you know, so it became, and I changed the name of the organization also because it was just Antigua Employers Federation. We're a twin island nation. So we changed it that year to Antigua and Barbuda Employers mm -hmm. Federation. Mm -hmm. And through my role at the Employers Federation, I worked regionally as well. And that year was actually um, awarded by the Caribbean um, organization as the employer's champion for the region based on the work that I was doing at that time. Mm. So after there was a change in administration in Antigua and Barbuda, the new administration asked me to serve in, as one of their non-resident ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And so that was another major shift. So I became Antigua and Barbuda's ambassador to a number of Latin American countries, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Mexico, uh, Venezuela, and Colombia. And so I did that from 2004 until 2012, which is when I first moved to Barbados, because I've actually, this is my second stint in Barbados. And so from 2004 to 2009, I worked as an ambassador, but still had my job in the private sector. Mm -hmm. Because with small island nations, you know, oh, we don't have as, as many resources as some of the bigger nations. And so the government often partners with people from the private sector to help them, especially in, in foreign affairs. But then in 2009, um, Prime Minister Baldwin Spencer, after winning his second term in office, asked me to come and work with him full time mm -hmm. as his chief implementation officer. Mm -hmm. And so I gave up the private sector at that point and went to work with PM full time and still, um, he re I still was appointed as ambassador. So I had the diplomatic portfolio and then I had a substantive role in the office of the prime minister. So that was from 2009 until 2012. And again, I meet my new opportunities while doing my old stuff. Yes, because so I was about to say, I was about <laughs> to say that's a pretty impressive role for most people. That is what they would aspire to become ambassador for Antigua and Barbuda in, in Latin America. So why take yet another leap and go into your own private uh, business? And of course, before you answer that question, let's just remind everyone who's watching on Facebook Live and listening to us that we are joined today out of Barbados by Miss Joan Underwood, Mrs. Joan Underwood, and she is the author of Manager's First Aid Kit, and she's also a business owner for coaching companies. So she's just kind of walking us through the journey of how she started off in healthcare. Then she managed the lottery system in Antigua. She became the ambassador for Antigua for Latin America. And now we're going to talk about what she is currently doing. So truly a very eclectic 
journey, I must admit. <laughs> and there are a couple more chapters before I get to the current one. So while I was working, the thing is, in terms of why the change, I was a political appointee and we know the political cycle. Mm-hmm. All right. So I started working with the administration when they won their first term in 2004. They won a second term in 2009. That's when PM asked me to come and work with PM Baldwin Spencer, asked me to come and work with him full time. But we, you know, the political cycle is a four to five mm-hmm. year cycle. Right. And so from 2009 by 2012, I'm already starting to think, OK, let me see. Let's read the tea leaves and see where this is going. Mm-hmm. So by then, the Wakers, remember, we had the um, the financial meltdown in 2008, 2009. So the economy was doing really badly, and an incumbent government always suffers when that happens. So by then, I'm starting to say, okay, you need to start thinking about what's what's the next stage of your life. And again, while executing my role in the prime minister's office, I came into contact with some representatives of the Canadian government. They were doing a regional project and they came to Antigua and Barbuda to interview you know, various stakeholders for it. And again, during the course of that, they said, hey, would you like to come and be a part of this? And I was wow. like, sure. <laughs> Thing is, the headquarters is gonna be in Barbados. Barbados. Right, so there's no way I could have done both. So I had to go and talk to Prime Minister Spencer. I said, listen, I may have an opportunity to manage this project that the Canadian government is doing. And again, you know, I love startups. So Mm -hmm. it's a startup project. It's challenging. It was the Caribbean Leadership Project covering 12 CARICOM countries doing leadership development for um, the senior public sector leaders. And there's some other components, but that was the flagship element in the project. And I mean, Prime Minister Spencer, he's, he's a mentor to me. And while other persons would have had their own interests at heart, he said to me, this is a wonderful opportunity for mm-hmm. you. And I believe you will translate it into a wonderful opportunity for Antigua and Barbuda. And how long ago was this? So this was in 2012. Right. Mm-hmm. So I applied, I was high, well, it was a consultancy. So I got the gig three years to manage this project. And so I moved to Barbados to manage the Caribbean Leadership Project. Yes, yeah, so, but what, but what did you have to take into consideration? Because you had to uplift your entire life from Antigua to, to move to Barbados. And you know, on this program, we talk about turning challenges and obstacles into opportunity and success. So what mm-hmm. did you have to take into consideration while making such a, a life-changing decision? Great question. Uh, Fortunately for me, at the time I was single, my biggest concern was my dogs. I had two dogmen and I just couldn't imagine living without them. So I spoke to my vet. So that was the biggest consultation I had in making this (laughs) Talking to the vet. How can we make this happen for me to relocate the dogs to Barbados with me? Mm-hmm. And so we had to go through all this stuff about quarantine. So they couldn't move immediately with me. But, you know, within a month or two of moving, then we were able to get that. And once the dogs arrived, Barbados felt like home. Yes, yes. And so I've been to I Barbados. It's a lovely place. 
Yes, it yeah, is indeed. And there's so much that, mm -hmm. that I, I love and appreciate about this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you transition into owning your own company? All right. So, like I said, that was a three-year contract, and I already told you, I get bored after a while. So, the thing with the project, again, coming at a startup, had to do all the standard operating procedures, hire all the staff, furnish the office, I mean, everything make all the linkages with the 12 participating countries. We had to design the program. So it was fascinating. It was exciting. I mean, I just had a blast. And then it was up and running, working like a weld-oiled machine. So guess what? I started well, getting restless. <laughs> yes, I'm the same way too. <laughs> and, you know, my life kind of goes in either three-year cycles or seven is kind of the outer edge of it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like my absolute maximum. And so the person who, the coordinator of the project, the Canadian coordinator of the project, realized that I was getting a little bit restless. And uh, I think in the quest to, to keep me, <laughs> you know, um, engaged, mm -hmm offered me the opportunity to, because I was there as a project manager, offered me the opportunity to facilitate the leadership development program because something I haven't mentioned, but I've been doing like all while all this other stuff is happening is that I, I teach for UWE. Mm -hmm. So first I taught in their undergrad program, then I taught in their executive diploma in management and executive MBA. But when I moved to Barbados and got caught up in the project, I just didn't have the bandwidth to continue to do that. There was just too many moving pieces mm -hmm. for the project. So I had given up my teaching with UWE. But she had heard me talk about how much I enjoyed teaching. So she was like, why don't you, you know, transition, spend part of your time as a project manager because the project is running well. You don't have to be as hands-on. And then you can be a facilitator. So in doing that, it stretched past the initial three years because this was now something new. So I did that for a while and then I said, okay, I don't want to manage the project at all anymore. I'm done. And uh, I will continue to facilitate for the time being, but I'm going to start my own company and do other consulting work. And so I made that transition in 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. and formed Underwood Talent Development Services Limited. Yes, yes. And I, I'm reading your, your uh, bio here, and it says, uh, Managing Director, Principal Consultant with Underwood Talent Development Services, and acclaimed the consulting firm specializing in helping professionals, business enterprises, governments, and Caribbean institutions develop high-performance individuals teams and strategies. Wow, that is really, uh, truly a great opportunity. Now, speaking of which, so you work with uh, others outside of Barbados as well? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for example, my work day today began with my facilitating an online training program for a cohort of learners in the public service in St. Lucia. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're one of my clients. I do online training with 
for them because now in COVID, um, you know, and not a lot of face-to-face -face taking place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's so important in terms of preparing for success to have what I refer to as heads up leadership. Huh? You can't just decide, okay, this is what I'm doing and I'm focused on what I'm doing. You have to be paying attention to what's happening in the environment around you. Absolutely. And so it was, I think, back in 2014 mm -hmm. that I said, you know what? I think that online learning is going to become more and more popular. So I went and I got certified as a virtual facilitator Excellent. because you can't just take face-to-face -face learning and sit down in front of a computer and do it. The design process needs to be completely different. You have to make it much more interactive to ensure that people just don't have the computer on, but are doing something else. So, I mean, so then since, you know, the pandemic came about, people are trying to convert, but I've been operating in this medium for a while now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the government of St. Lucia reached out and they were like, we have to start doing our training online. I was like, I got you. I'm already there. Yeah, and, and quite interesting. You're actually preaching to the to the choir because I'm an online learning professor. So it's it's right exactly. up my my alley. So I do know the the importance of being able to facilitate courses and education via the online format. And you're right, it's not simply translating what is presented in a classroom into online. Yeah. It's a completely different system that I don't think many people um, understand that it is it is different. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I know that I've gotten it right because I, I try not to let the sessions go beyond two hours. That's the yes. absolute math. If it can be shorter, I'll keep it shorter. But for me, I know that I've done a good job in designing the session. If when I start wrapping up, people say already. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, the, the time just flies if you get your design right, if you have the right amount of engagement, it's not a chore, it's not a task for people to be with you for those two hours. Right, right. And I want to make sure we get to your book before the time runs out on us. So, so oh, tell yeah. us why it was important for you to write this book, Manager's First Aid Kit. Why was it important? Okay, so here's my book, baby. This is, this is Manager's First Aid Kit. Why was it important? So you mentioned that I'm a coach, a professional coach. So I do performance coaching and I do executive coaching. And I just heard so many stories from good people working really, really hard, who are stressed out, who are anxious. And helping them in the one-on-one -on -one relationship and the type of feedback that they get. But the thing is, I wanted to have even bigger impact. In addition to hearing the pain that coaching clients have in my training work as well, and even in my consulting work, when I go into organizations, there's so many people who are really struggling, good people really struggling in a lot of pain. And what I found is that the primary pain point is that transition from being an individual contributor to a supervisor or manager. Because think about it. Typically, you get promoted to a managerial position because you were very good at what you were doing already. Exactly. Right? So you were a very good knowledge worker. You were a very good technical worker. So they reward you by promoting you. 
to a role that requires a completely different skill set. And unfortunately, most employers don't provide the necessary training to help you make that transition. So the published research says that as many as six, as much as 60% of new managers either fail outright or underperform in their first two years. Mm -hmm. And that's why I came up with the thought of writing the book and putting this help out there. The name of the book is Manage First Aid Kit. And you know, it's recommended that every household have a first aid kit. Why? So that you can deal with small problems before they become big problems. And so in the manager's first aid kit, I take you through dealing with the three biggest challenges that I have found personally and in my coaching and consulting work, managing self, managing others, and managing systems and processes. Mm -hmm. So that's the structure of the book. It deals with those challenges and gives you very practical tips in terms of how you can address those challenges and to, you know, maximize your potential as a manager. Yeah, yeah. And you're so correct because indeed, many times employees are promoted not on their basis of being uh, competent as a supervisor, but simply as a reward. And you know, the interesting thing about it is no one ever um, cares to ask the employee if this is the direction you want to go. So it's, it's almost like a gift to you that, well, how dare you say no? Because, you know, you've done so well in this job. So this is the only way we can reward you. There are other ways to reward employees who are not interested in being managers, but you almost feel compelled to accept it because it's being offered to you as this gift that you may not be interested in. Exactly. And it's a gift that can suck the life out of you if you're not careful. Right? Because... At, at first, you're happy about it, probably because it's more money, more yes. perks, and it's, a, you know, it's prestigious. Prestige, prestige. Right? And then you find yourself struggling, mm-hmm. and you almost don't have anywhere to turn because you don't want to give people reason to think that they made a mistake right. in promoting you. Mm-hmm. So you might be reluctant to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Then... Your peers who were, you know, line staff with you and maybe, you know, managing them, you're going to tell them that you're struggling. Right. Right. So it's, it can be a very lonely and a very painful transition, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And, you know, it can also be demotivating for the employee because here you were enjoying whatever skill sets you were using. Yep. And now you're placed in more of an administrative position where there might be a lot of paperwork, you now have to discipline employers. So it can truly be challenging. But you know, I wanted to read some of the reviews on your book because there's some wonderful reviews. And of course, you're going to let us know where we can purchase your book. And this is a book for just about any person who's interested in career advancement because it gives you the tools that you need as a, a, a manager or if you're aspiring to become a manager. So I want to just read some of the reviews. So we have here, uh, this book is a must have for a new supervisor or manager or anyone who would like to refresh their managerial skills, extremely practical and should be one of these books that you keep handy and reread to hold yourself accountable, to consistently demonstrate the foundational behavior associated with both managerial and leadership skills. I want to read one more because they're so engaging and thoughtful. 
The author's ethos is grounded in meaningful transformation beginning with the manager. The approach challenges the reader to deep introspection to identify lasting solutions. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. The book has been extremely well received. I'm really gratified by that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I can see this becoming a staple in the Caribbean because like you and I were having a conversation many times, that is an area that is lacking. Yeah, you might go to UE and take a managerial course, but if you're looking for just that first aid aspect, something to just grab quickly when you mm -hmm. get the news that maybe you're going to be promoted, it is a wonderful tool to have um, with you to, to read and, and get more information. Absolutely. And I have some corporate clients who have bought copies of the book and given them to their managerial staff yeah. to help them to, to navigate the yeah. space. And that yeah. is what I would also recommend that companies who are interested in investing in their employees should take the opportunity to purchase the book. And while you're offering the gift of being a manager, you offer the, the gift of the book as the toolkit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And you know, we, you mentioned that we, we both teach. Just last evening, I was interacting with a colleague who is also a lecturer. She teaches in the UE Open Campus program. And she said to me, I'm actually using parts of your book with my class on effective management. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I was really pleased to hear that because something else that has bothered me as someone who has operated within the academic space in the region is that we don't have enough of our stories, our research mm -hmm. to bring to the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, and when I was working on the book, there are lots of stories in there from my time in the, in the foreign service, from my time in corporate, in the corporate world that I tell stories. So they're very related because these are stories about Caribbean people. And some of them are stories of us being best in class because there's a particular story in the book where Trinidad and Tobago, I compare how they handle um, international relations to how the US handled a, a particular situation and Trinidad was held up as the exemplar in that case. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing about it is many times we think of the Caribbean as one people and we're not. There's a completely different mindset in people from Barbados and Trinidad and Dominica and St. Lucia. And it's so interesting that you, that you mentioned having our people's stories included because a lot of times the books that we're using uh, is based on information from the US, research from the US. So here you've done the work on the ground in the Caribbean. What motivates us as Caribbean people? What are our needs as Caribbean managers? to be able to help our employees. Because think about it, if you're in Trinidad, one of the issues you're gonna have to deal with as a manager is carnival. <laughs> because, from <laughs> I, because from what I hear, carnival time is not a holiday in Trinidad, but nobody goes to it. Not officially. Yeah. As a manager. <laughs> Pick your battles. <laughs> and the other thing I think is so fascinating about what, you, what you've done with the book is the fact that you've taken all your other experiences so yes. now you can apply this to to management in healthcare you can apply this to management in government you can apply yep. this to manage management in the private sector was that your thought process when you were writing absolutely. the book absolutely 
Absolutely. So it has such a broad-based appeal, yes. public and private sector, new managers, aspiring managers. I have to tell you something I didn't expect, though, that, that caught me by surprise, is how much entrepreneurs are loving the book. Oh. Because I totally wasn't thinking about them when I was writing the book. But I mean, afterwards I said, well, why didn't you? Because they have to do all those same things that managers are doing within you know, corporate settings, mm-hmm. right? Because as an entrepreneur, your chief cook and bottle washer, everything is going to fall in your lap. Yes, yes. So again, congratulations on the book. And of course, we want to find out, you know, where can we buy the book in the Caribbean, in the US, you know, because this is a, a worldwide program. So we are very interested in finding out exactly where we can pick up a copy of your book. Okay, so you know the saying, home drum beats first. So if you're in Antigua and Barbuda, you can get Manager's First Aid Kit. And again, this is the book, the paperback version of it. You can get it at Best of Books and the Methodist Bookshop. If you're in Dominica and the books landed in Dominica yesterday. Oh, Jay's is my partner in Dominica. And thanks to my cousin, Mickey Joseph, for facilitating that for me. And, and Jermaine Jewel Jean-Pierre, she was the one who made the initial contact and requested that I ensure I get the book in stores in Dominica. So Jay's is on board. Uh, the shipment landed in Jamaica today for Kingston Bookshop. So it's currently being cleared. So we can look for those in Jamaica. You can get it from Kingston Bookshop. And in Barbados is at Days, but we're on lockdown right now. So you have to wait until we open up to get it. But that's for the paperback version. The book is also available electronically for download in Kindle or whatever other um, electronic reader you use. And it's on Amazon. So if you go over to Amazon, you can simply search for my name, Joan H. Underwood, and you'll see my book. And as of last night, it's also available in audio form. So the audio book is available as of last night. And special promotion right here because if you signed up for a free trial version of audiobook you will get my book completely free of cost so log on to amazon before they change their mind on this right now you can get an audio version of my book so if you're working out going on your walks you know doing stuff around the house you can listen to the book one of my readers when i posted the announcement about the audio book because she already has her autograph copy of the paperback and she was like i'm logging on now because i can listen to it when i'm doing other stuff and it will reinforce the lessons Mm -hmm. so that i can really internalize them yeah and the good thing about it if you have the audio version you can listen to it over and over again so if for example you just want to hone in in a particular area then you can revisit that information over and over again so again congratulations I, I'm, so I can tell that you're very excited about the new book and everything else that you're doing with your career. Now, have you ever thought of maybe having your own workshops based on the book? Because I think this is just such powerful information. Well, let me tell you what, it's the other way around. The book is based on my workshops. Ah, <laughs> I get it. That makes so, sense. And a blog, because I wrote a blog, you know, when I first formed the company, I wrote a blog for a full year. And then I was like, you know, when you're writing it, and you probably experienced this as well, you know, each week you churn out one and it doesn't seem like it. But when you look back over a year, 
and you realize, hey, this is some good stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the book came out of that process. And with my training, there are a number of my training programs that use the book as a resource. Mm, that is wonderful. That is Now, speaking of your blogs, where can we find you online besides just picking up a copy of your book if we're interested in your blogs, in following you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that question. So the easiest thing to do, you can search for joanhunderwood.com. All right. So that's actually the landing page for the book. And you'll also find my blog there. So joanhunderwood.com. You can also look me up on LinkedIn, Joan H. Underwood. I'm on Facebook. I have a business page as well as my personal page. I'm on Instagram, making it really easy for you. It's at joan.h.underwood. So, and I have actually a new product that I just launched and it has been getting fantastic feedback. It's a micro blog. So every day, I put out just a small bite-sized snippet and it's called tools from my kit. Mm -hmm. And I take requests. So if someone is struggling with an issue, they can give me the topic and I will write. Some of them is just one snippet. Other times I'll treat with the issue for an entire week. So you'll get five episodes on the topic. So, and the micro blog is available on Facebook, on LinkedIn and over on Instagram. Yeah, wonderful. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just want to encourage anyone, you know, you don't need to struggle alone and you don't need to struggle indefinitely. Mm -hmm. The struggle is real, but there are real solutions out there as well. Mm -hmm. And my passion, my commitment, my purpose is to help as many of you as I can to really maximize your potential. Yeah, so absolutely. So again, if you're looking for career advancement, especially, you know, this is still relatively early in 2021. So we have all of 2021 to, to chart a path to success. So if you're looking for career advancement, especially if you're thinking of one day becoming a manager and you're wondering just exactly some of the tools that you may need, or if you're currently a manager and you're looking to just refresh your skills to, to, to remind yourself of the important work that you do as a manager, then we encourage you to get a copy of Manager's First Aid Kit or get it as a gift for someone you know who is a manager or who would like to be a manager. So again, uh, Joan, thank you for being here with us on Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. It was a pleasure having you. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Do you have any final words before we sign off this evening? Well, I wanna, Thank you. And I want to thank someone who brought us together. And yes. that's Irma yes. Senhouse. So Irma introduced us and she said, oh, you two will hit it off because you have so much in common. Yeah. And she was right. So thanks to Irma. Thanks to you. Thanks to all your followers and your listeners. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and helping to bring the managers to a first aid kit to them so you don't have to struggle. You can get the help that you need to maximize your potential. Yes, it was wonderful. It was wonderful having you on the program and I look forward to staying in touch with you. Absolutely. You Same are here. listening to Love Untapped here. Potential with Dr. Simone. If you live in Canada, the U.S. and the U.K. and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop 
on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. to pick up a copy of Joan's book, The Manager's First Aid Kit, a gift towards helping new and aspiring managers, entrepreneurs, and even veteran managers take your performance to the next level. So again, thank you, Joan. Thank you for being with us right here on Untapped Potential and sharing your wealth of information. And now what I would like to talk about is the importance of being organized for success. As we can already see how quickly time goes by, we have to have a strategy in terms of being organized so we might be productive each and every day and how wonderful do you feel when you've had a day where you had a long to-do list and you were able to check off everything on that to-do list i don't know about you but for me i certainly feel very accomplished so i want to share this information with you and it comes from a linkedin article and the name of the author is let's make sure i get his name is travis bradbury and he's the author of emotional intelligence 2.0 so again his name is travis bradbury and he's the author of emotional intelligence 2.0 and he has this wonderful article on linkedin and i do apologize if my voice is sounding a little bit raspy i do suffer from allergies while i was talking about allergies earlier so i'm a little congested um today so my apologies if my voice is not as crystal clear as it normally is so the name of the article is 11 things organized and productive people do every day so i won't get to all of them but i just want to read you some information and he begins by saying we often we often confuse being productive with working as fast as we can every second of the day we fear that slowing down to get organized will kill our productivity but the facts suggest otherwise the average office employee spends over one hour each day just looking for things. The average U.S. executive spends six weeks per year searching through messy desks and disorganized files of misplaced information. So here's what he's recommending, right? So he's saying that for productive people, they don't let their desks get cluttered. How many of us can look around right now and see that cluttered desk that we're working from, especially if we're working from home and we have the kids, um, educational materials and our own workload on our desk. So they don't let their desk get cluttered. You may think you know exactly where and in which stack of paper you can find a particular document, but you're kidding yourself if you don't think you'd be more productive with a clean and organized desk. Just the act of organizing the stuff on your desk 
helps you to organize it in your mind. In addition, research conducted by Princeton University revealed that the more our brains are bombarded by the competing stimuli on a cluttered desk, the less we're able to focus. And this wasn't just subjective evidence. They were able to see the difference in MRIs on the subject's brain activity. So I think that's a very good point. So how many of us have, have cluttered desks and how can we better organize? You know, just simply getting uh, one of those organizational tools from Walmart or one of the big box stores just to sort of organize things in different sections would serve a useful purpose. Then number two, he says, they never touch things twice. Organized and productive people never put anything in a holding pattern because touching things twice is a huge time waster. Don't save an email or a phone call to deal with later. As soon as something gets your attention, you should act on it, delete it, or delegate it. So very good point. How many of us have saved emails? I got so many stars on so many emails that I've had for many years that I don't even look at anymore. So why not just deal with it, schedule some time during your day to deal with those emails and get it out of the way so you can move on to other things, right? Number three, they don't respond to emails as they as they arrive. Productive people don't allow their email to be a constant interruption. You remember I had a program not too long ago where we talked about the importance of turning on turning off all the beeping sounds from your cell phone. So whenever a text comes in, there's a beep. Whenever an email comes in, and God forbid, if you're like me and you have a Gmail and then you have a Yahoo email and then you have Twitter and you have uh, Instagram and Facebook, turn off the notifications. So simply turn off the notifications so you can concentrate and then schedule some time during the end of the day to look at everything you may have missed during the day. So again, productive people don't allow their email to be a constant interruption. In addition to checking their email on a schedule, they take advantage of features that prioritize messages by sender. They set alerts for their most important vendors and their best customers, and they save the rest until they reach a stopping point in their work. Some people even set up an autoresponder that lets senders know that they will be checking their email again. And I have seen that. I've seen where there are super busy people that I'm emailing and you get an autoresponse that says, uh, please allow 24 hours for me to get back to your email. So you're kind of just acknowledging that you've received the email, but you need some time to respond. Here's another very good point. They work from a single to-do list. If you are a to-do list, to list person like I am, sometimes it can get a little bit outrageous because I have a to-do list in my cell phone, then I have a to-do list on a notepad. So just consolidating those to-do lists would help you to be a whole lot more productive. Now, keep in mind that we are talking about how to get through your workday, 
But also keep in mind that these same methods can be applied on that special project that you're working on just for yourself. So the same can be applied for if you're starting a business, the same can be applied for if you're trying to grow your business, the same can be applied if you're changing careers altogether. So just keep that in mind that the information that I'm presenting today can be applied to help you be more productive at work, but it can also be applied for your own personal um, needs as well. So here's another good one I found. They have a high level of self-awareness. So what does that mean? Highly productive and organized people have a clear sense of who they are. They know their weaknesses and they put organizational structures in place to overcome them. If they tend to let meetings run too long, they set a timer. If they have trouble keeping meetings productive, they make an agenda. If they forget to check their voicemail in the morning, they set a reminder. The details don't matter. What's important is that they think carefully and use specific aids and routines that work with their organizational weaknesses. So I think for most of us, especially for those of us who are working at home right now, one of our organizational weaknesses might just be getting started in the morning, right? How many of us have that challenge? So just getting started in the morning. So set up a routine for yourself. Set up a routine where you're setting an alarm clock the same way you would if you were reporting to the office and get your coffee and your news out of the way first thing in the morning and then jump on that to-do list for the day. So I think all of these are really great recommendations that we can all take advantage of. And here's another good one. They tidy up at the end of each day. The best remedy for clutter is to set aside about 10 minutes at the end of each day to organize your desk. Although we know that it's best to touch things only once, we've all stopped halfway through a task because the phone rang or somebody stopped by to chat. You really can't prevent such things, but you can end the day by resolving all the things you left half finished. So think of it this way. How many of us, whether our kids are uh, at home learning or they're in school, but they come home and they do, they do homework, how many of us say to them at the end of the day, you have to clean up after yourself? right? So get your books back into your book bag, get your pencil back in the pencil pouch. So the same thing applies for us, that in order to be productive the next day, we need to ensure that we use the end of the day to organize our desk. And I particularly like this one. It says they make full use of technology, there's been a lot said about how modern technology extends the workday, making it so that we're always on the clock. Isn't that true? <laughs> While that might be true, technology can also make us more productive, whether it's setting up an email filter to keep your inbox spam free or using an app like Evernote to organize information you're going to need again. Technology isn't always bad. Use it properly. It can save a lot of time. 
So very, very good points. And again, the name of this author is Dr. Travis Bradbury. So if you would like to look up this particular article, you can simply look up his name, Dr. Travis Bradbury, and he is an award-winning co-author of the number one best-selling book, Emo Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and the co-founder of Talent Smart. So I highly recommend that you take a look at this particular article if you would like to save some of the information as some reminders for yourself. And just so important in terms of getting organized, because I think he's absolutely correct. Many times we think that we know exactly where everything is in the chaos that is our desks. But sometimes the, the, the reality is we spend more time looking for what we need rather than utilizing this time to work on what we should be doing in order to move our goals forward. So I hope you found the information helpful. I hope that you were able to find some tips that you will be able to take away and to apply to your daily life to help you to be a little bit more productive. So, you know, I just can't get enough of this young lady's song, The Herb Tree. So I want to play it for you again. Her name is Abia Israel. And I had the, the wonderful pleasure of having a Facebook Live with her recently. So let's enjoy this number from Abia as we get ready to wrap up the program for yet another Tuesday right here on TDN Radio. wanted to share a little bit of the talent of Abia Israel and we've had the opportunity to have her on a Facebook live recently and she's doing an amazing job of promoting herself. Now keep in mind and I'm sure that you noticed that the interview with uh, Joan Underwood was done via Facebook live. So that is the direction that we're heading as we're continuing to grow the program. We want as much exposure for 
for our guests and their businesses and their products and their stories. So we are recording the programs via Facebook Live and we're using the audio portion for the radio program. So maximizing the exposure for our guests. And speaking of which, don't forget, you can also check out many of our Facebook Live uh, performances or Facebook Live interviews on TDNTV.net. So again, TDNTV.net and click on the channel section for TDN Radio so you can enjoy all the videos from Facebook Live if you are not on Facebook. So again, thank you for being here. It was wonderful spending this time with you. I look forward to being with you right here back on TDN Radio next Tuesday at 5.30 Eastern Time for another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. And as always, don't forget that your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential each and every day. Remember to stay positive, stay productive, and to stay actively engaged. And don't forget next week, uh, Captain Arthur Senhouse will give us a status update on Liat and everything that is going on with Liat. So don't forget to be here next week, same time, same place. And as always, for more information about me and this platform, you can check out my website at pushpast10.com. So again, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com for all the information you need. And I keep forgetting to mention a couple of things. So just want to remind you that our featured guest on Push Past 10 this week is none other than Michelle G. And she is going to be our artist, our painter for our Sip and Stroke painting class. Yes, we're taking painting to our Facebook so we were, we're going to have a great program with Michelle G. And she's going to teach us some basic painting methods. Uh, so we will have her as the featured guest, the featured video on Push Past 10. So you can get to know her. You can get to know who she is and you can get to learn all about her talent. So I'm clearly out of time at this point, but thank you for hanging out with me today. And I will see you right back here, same time, same place. So until then, you have yourself a productive week.